0: Is cold, cold, cold outside. Hello, and welcome to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Today is no December. <laughs> December the 7th, and we are and I am broadcasting to you from the broadcasting to you live from the University of British Columbia, Vancouver campus from unceded Musqueam Territory. My name is Christine Kim. And I'm
1: Jake Clark.
0: We are your show hosts for this afternoon and on today's show we're going to be reviewing a lot of Christmas productions. In that case, yep. Yeah. We've got is the season. Exactly. We've got uh three in particular. We've got Holy Moe by Pacific Theater, Day Before Christmas by the Arts Club and uh Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol um by Theater Obscura. La,
1: la, 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 la.
0: So, yeah, today's show will be very Christmassy. Um uh, so yeah, why don't we just get right down to it? I know usually you guys were probably expecting Ashley Park to be hosting, and she is coming in later on in the studio, or later on in the show, to to uh, say hi to you guys, so no worries, she will be here soon. This is
1: her last show for the year 2016, is it not?
0: Yes, it is, sadly. Um, you will not be hearing much from her until the new year.
1: Sadly, but we shall, we shall hear more of her in the new year, and that's, that's where it is,
0: Exactly, exactly. So why don't I start off by saying what Ashley and I attended to go see uh, this past Friday on December the 2nd. We saw Pacific Theater's production of Holy Mo, A Christmas Show. The local playwright, Lucia Frangion, who wrote this play, based it on an earlier work of hers called Holy Mo, no exclamation mark, with the same three clown characters, Folly, Buffuna and Guff. These three are a traveling circus troupe that retells the nativity story in an imaginative and highly entertaining manner.
1: Todd Browning's Christmas story, as it were.
0: Todd Browning, who is that?
1: Oh, he's, he's, he directed the original Dracula. He also directed a movie called Freaks, about sideshow freaks. I thought oh. the, the clowns were the villains in that movie, partially. Eh. Partially, partially, just a little bit. But I, I assume the clown's the protagonist in this one.
0: Yes, yes, all three of them, I would say, are... Uh, our protagonists and um, given the three person cast but multiple person story the nativity story that has multiple characters folly buffuna and guff have to play um, more than one character so the same person who plays mary also plays herod and the same person who plays joseph also plays a reindeer and an angel and those are just like that's just like scratching the surface
1: (laughs) now this is billed as a reverently irreverent reimagining of the nativity which is actually harder to say than it sounds but what do they mean by reverently irreverent? It's an all-female cast, yeah?
0: Uh, yes, it is an all-female cast. You're right.
1: Mm-hmm. And is that is that part of it? Is that part of the comedy there um, um, with the presentation?
0: I wouldn't say not so much. They didn't highlight so much of their all-female cla- ca- cl- um, cast, but I, I will talk about the irreverently reverent part of the retelling of, of uh, the nativity story. So um, these three clowns, basically uh, do a production of their view of what, uh, of, of how the story goes, where, you know, Mary meets Joseph, and then Mary gets impregnated, but, like, not after she slept with Joseph, just, like, by the Holy Spirit. Well, um, which is one thing I kind of <laughs> wonder,
1: is that should go to Joseph and go, Joe, I'm pregnant. But... And he's like, oh, my Jesus Christ. like, what a great name, Joe. That is so much better than Shmuel. Way to go. Way to go. Awesome.
0: So, I mean— it is funny because it's not it's not like it's not as if this play is poking fun at the inexplainable parts of the nativity story, like the fact that Mary got uh pregnant without having uh without having ha- had sex um, but it mm-hmm. actually makes uh fu- it makes the jokes and it makes the story really. Uh, entertaining by contextualizing the story in random ways so they give this whole backstory between uh, how mary and joseph like came to like one another and it's hilarious they also talk about the journey that mary had while she goes to she's pregnant and she goes to see elizabeth and Zechariah, which is an actual like that, it, that that actually is written down in the Bible that, you know, El- Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and Zachariah, and Elizabeth really speaks, like, words of truth over Mary. Really? But um, that journey from her, from the village that she's in with Joseph and mm-hmm. to the village that Elizabeth and Zachariah are at, you know, in the in the play or in the, in the production of Holy Mo, she meets, like, this talking cat, um, which is really funny, and she's taken there by, like, a reindeer. Um, so... I- They really elaborated upon the nativity story in a really quirky way. So it's a hilarious show that regardless of your faith, I would say that um, it's not it's not irreverent for the for the for the plain sake of just being like, wow, this is ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense at all. It's irreverent in the sense that it's taking like a really holy story, but like contextualizing it and putting in their own additions and embellishing the story in a funny way, making it human. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Would that be a good, yeah. yeah um, and on that note, uh, so the so there's new takes on obviously the old characters so the magi the three wise men are actually it's just one female character who has this really hipster vibe and is trying to steal (laughs) mary's baby which is like that that doesn't actually like feature in the in the the bible but i just thought it was really funny and the throughout the
1: play was it one one female character playing three different characters like switching wigs or something no, no no
0: it was one like female woman saying like oh you know like i like to I like to refer to myself in plural. So my name is not mage, (laughs) but like may guy, which is hilarious. Um, And I thought that was like really smart. And there's so many uh, different contextualizations and embellishments like that. And throughout the entire play, you've got lines that are quoted, obviously, from the Holy Bible. Like there are things in the play that is directly from the Bible. But you've got quotes and lines from Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump, Kanye West, Matthew McConaughey, and a host of other popular cultural figures. Theoretically,
1: anyone who might be running for world power in 2020.
0: (laughs) Sure, sure. Actually, that's a good way to categorize every (laughs) single name that I just said. Um, So yeah, like, it's a really fresh perspective on the nativity story um, that is not, uh, that, like, I am a Christian, and Hmm. me watching the production, I was not offended. Um, I was basically laughing throughout the whole thing. Um, and on this note, I'm going to highlight the end of the production because um, the production really pushes and pulls away from the nativity story to to focus more on one of the central themes of the play that ran from the beginning opening scene, um, which is that the holidays aren't really a time to just be happy and jolly um, and cover up all that's you know going wrong in your life or going bad with the world the holidays are a time to be happy and jolly despite the negativities of life and kind of the unfortunate things that are happening in our world
1: today until that comes to a climax at new year's and you have a blackout uh sure (laughs) um is that just me okay i'm actually that's probably
0: you and like almost all 20 to 30 year olds in north america well, there but you anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, so mm-hmm. it so this message I thought was really good, and I I think it's a good message to tell because I like how it's um how Holy Mo is a feel good Christmas production, but not in the way of like oh and then everybody's super happy and the end everybody lives happily ever after. It's more like everybody's super happy, but they also recognize that it's not it's not a bad thing to be afraid and to understand all the bad that's going on because with the nativity story you've got like the birth of jesus which is the savior of the which mm. in the story is the savior of the world um but then you've also got things like where herod um decrees, massacres the yeah, infants. yeah uh, massacres the infants yeah, so it's like let's show both and like christmas isn't about like just being stupidly happy
1: one thing i was wondering and this is partially because of the poster on uh, the uh program uh was i was reminded a bit of kirk cameron's which is uh Kirk Cameron is a dude who was on I think it was on Growing Pains, was it? He's a sitcom actor. He's extremely religious. Uh like 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 very, very religious. And Saving Christmas was his um explanation of Christmas ritual uh by biblical means. And Saving Christmas is a surreal movie. This is I this is funny, this is trying to be funny, yeah?
0: Very much so. Kirk Cameron's Saving very Christmas
1: was so. not. Uh <laughs> But it still had... The poster is Kirk Cameron leaping in front of a Christmas tree with a weapon-like candy cane in his hand. And the movie depicts the basis for Santa Claus, Saint Nick, as looking... He says to imagine Saint Nick, who is Saint Nicholas, actually did strike uh, apparent unbelievers or people who didn't believe hard enough at a meeting, which is depicted as a violent attack that <laughs> looks like an action scene out of Lord of the Rings. That's some And... He explains the Christmas tree by saying it represents the cross. He's saying this completely straight faced, very calm, very logical. Like you're supposed to say, hmm, "Yeah, yeah, Christmas tree. O- obvious, obviously, that's that's the cross, and that the Christmas tree and the cross represent sol- represent calm in the midst of Herod's soldiers slaughtering infants, which is why you have giant nutcrackers to represent Herod's soldiers." <laughs> I don't have giant nutcrackers. I don't know why he had to explain giant nutcrackers that way.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I feel that
1: that was relevant, but I don't know how.
0: Well, I guess people who have seen Saving Christmas will totally get your drift, and people who don't now totally want to know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Or yeah. don't, <laughs> given. This, this, this seems like a—this this is, uh, is probably the worst way to praise something, but this seems much, much better than Saving <laughs> Christmas. And and that saved. is
0: probably the worst way to praise this one, but yeah. I mean, I, it was
1: better than saving Christmas. It's like, well, uh, you know, I broke my toe the other day, but at least I didn't get my leg chopped off.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, really, no,
1: I'm, this I'm assuming was. Would you recommend this show?
0: I definitely would. Um, but before what,
1: we spoil the conclusion, before we get to the conclusion,
0: well, yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to go into too much more depth about yeah. how how the play ends because Holy Mo, a Christmas show, runs from now until the 31st so the end of this month so you have anybody who's interested has plenty of time to go see it at pacific theater um and if you are interested you can get tickets at pacific dot org um but one disclaimer that i will uh say so i enjoyed this production quite heavily because I felt as though you know the nativity scene was being performed, and they g- gave a lot of funny embell- embellishments to it. But when um, Ashley and I went to g- Ashley was there with me. She uh, said that it was really hard to follow along because she wasn't familiar with the nativity story. So mm. one of the things that I would suggest is probably to um, brush up on just the basics of what happens, um, because it'll be hard to follow along if you don't have that um, basic understanding. Watch Saving Christmas. They explain <laughs> the or <laughs> not or not. Okay, don't do. That. Um, don't. Just- do that one
1: question what is the holy there's two questions i have also related to the program is for one thing uh what is holy mo in in this context who is mo and why is why are they holy
0: that's a good question um i don't think i can answer that i'm not sure who
1: okay and this may also be an i thought
0: it was more of like an exclamation of holy mo because the other thing too is that maybe
2: um, i can answer
0: that
1: Ashley Park, where did you come from? It's
2: me, special guest Ashley Park.
0: <laughs> Hello, Ashley.
1: I literally hey. don't know.
2: Um, I was actually uh, talking vision. to a friend about uh, what "holy mo" could potentially mean, and um, I think they searched it up and it said "holy mo" is kind of like, like, like a way of like not, you know, saying like, you know, Mary, like you know how you don't want to take the Lord's name in vain or take like, a saint's name in vain. So people just go like, you know, "holy mo." Apparently, that is a thing, and I was like, wow, I didn't know that. So yeah, so it's, it's like
1: a, a, there's a Christian uh, connotation to it. Uh, that's that, that's that's very interesting. And I the, thought I thought they might meant you know might have originally gone with holy moly, but then thought that yeah, they yeah holy
2: were, moly that that's yeah. where it's from holy moly moly Mary then shortened it to
1: mo. M- maybe somebody looked at holy moly and thought they were blessing Mexican chocolate sauce. <laughs> Mole, gosh.
0: And and like I mentioned, mm-hmm. there this play is holy mo a Christmas show, but the local. play— Lucia Frangione, she based it on an earlier work just called Holy Moe. No exclamation mark, just Holy Mo." Mm-hmm. And
1: there's, I have one last question. With the same characters. There's a sheep here. Um,
0: there is not actually a sheep in no the production. Sheep. It, it, it's, just,
2: it, it's just, you know, to me And be, actually,
0: now that I look at the, the, like lamb. You know, the cool. play guide, the three actresses on the cover mm-hmm. are, I don't think that they are the actual actresses on the in the production. Um that's the three, the three actors names are oh, or maybe
2: I think I don't know maybe they are but then it's like designed all cuz it's like designed to look kind of like cut outy. Yeah,
1: it's, it's it's a zany. That, that that that's a good program. I collect programs, so that's that's certainly one that is that's mm-hmm. quite nice.
0: Yes. So the person who plays Folly is Lucia. Oh, the actual playwright Lucia F- I was going to ask if she Bufuna. was in this. Bufuna is played by Jess Amy Sheed, and Guff is played by Anita Wittenberg. Mm -hmm. Um, So, to review, I mean, for any of you guys who are interested, again, um, I would highly recommend it, and uh, you can get tickets at pacifictheater.org. So, the other two Christmas productions that. we're going to be talking about. Number one is Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol, uh, which (laughs) I went to go see on this past Saturday at the Jericho Arts Center. Um, And Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol um, was one that we've talked about at least I've talked about um, on previous Arts Report shows. I actually interviewed mm-hmm. the director, um, as well as one of the actors for the play. So, uh, if he, so, please do go listen to that interview if you're interested on the Arts Report Mixed Cloud. Um, because I'm not going to spend too much time going over the backstory of what the play is about, et cetera, et cetera, because I'm going to assume that everybody knows since we've been talking about it for the past weeks.
1: I don't know if I've mentioned this uh, before, but uh, I, I'm really interested in Christmas Carol because uh, my father and my Uncle George actually had, had parts, w- have not been involved with a venture involving reading the Christmas Carol. Really? For a while, yeah, oh, at my, cool. uh, in my hometown uh, in yeah. London, Ontario. I distinctly remember um, my Uncle George, Going up on stage at the Grand Theater, which uh, was among other things the mm-hmm. starting place of Victor Garber, and reading the Christmas Carol, he had this great uh, costume and these huge mutton chops on him. He looked he, he looked like halfway between Lemmy Me Kilmeister and Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. It was really amazing. Uh, and my father would also read that. He doesn't he didn't do anymore. He stopped about if I recall about five years ago, but um, this was for a event for what I believe was the Kidney Foundation, which, he's, which he was the president of at the time. And the, he would read The Christmas Carol in full. And there was a little, um, there was a thing beforehand. He would get people usually to come in and read. And there was a poem beforehand that uh, is all, all through the Grand, not a creature was stirring, not even the ghost of Ambrose Small. Because uh, Ambrose Small was a man who was murdered in the Grand Theater.
0: Film,
1: oh, so i see. it's a bit of a london ontario london ontario trivia for any londoners who are listening and, and for, for for all three of you
2: for people who like trivia too <laughs> it's yeah. true
1: um and i've always kind of been interested in hearing things about the christmas carol
0: no i'm glad that you mentioned that because that. this the interesting thing about the production or like the presentation of jacob marley's christmas carol was it felt like a reading interesting um it was a is the style of theater was very minimalist you've got a Mm four-person cast and you don't have a set it's just an open space and each character is going to narrate himself and speak the environment into existence so for example the actor whose name um who plays jacob marley his name is lyndon banks he's going to describe what's going on around him how his body is reacting to the different events that are happening so he'll say something like oh i'm holding a piece of paper before my hand and um or he'll be speaking actually in the third person he'll be like mm-hmm. oh he's holding a paper before him and he's reading and his hands begin to tremble etc cetera, etc cetera. and then he
2: goes into character
0: and he he so he he's going to be saying his lines mm-hmm. but um breaking from that to Thank just you. narrate himself um which is really interesting and um and you know, this being did, did Jacob. that pull you out of – sorry
2: to interrupt – did that pull you out of the performance at all or no?
0: So I, I thought that it was, like, kind of hard to get into in mm-hmm. the beginning. Um, but as you kind of get into it and, like – and and just sit mm-hmm. – because I'm not used to this kind of theater. I realized that it was actually – It was actually, it was nice to be able to see a theatrical production in its, like, very bare-bones essence. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that they could, like, create and and kind of stoke your imagination to that extent was really, really wonderful to see. It's
1: a beautiful Um, thing about the stage.
0: Yeah, yeah. That you don't actually get to really experience too much anymore because of the fact that we have so many productions that are much, much higher budget with, like, an elaborate stage that has working stoves and, like...
1: Much like, uh, much like The Day Before Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, which started. was which, also uh, beautiful.
0: Yes. Um, and so before before getting into that, I mm-hmm. also do want to just touch a little bit on the story because I, I really hadn't even, like... I've never seen jacob marley's christmas carol have either of you guys heard about it i know
2: the story with you know
1: know,
0: christmas
2: carol and everything
1: this being jacob marley's christmas carol is it a different story or is it the He was the
2: guy before, like, Scrooge, right? He yeah. was Scrooge's partner. Yeah. And he who died dies. And in he the very
0: James. beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jacob Marley, God. he is the deceased partner of Sorry. Scrooge, and he's gone to the afterlife, but he has to pay for his misdeeds um, that he conducted while he was alive because he was, you know, as bad as Scrooge. Um, but to avoid the consequences, he's given the assignment to convert his old friend Scrooge, who's still alive, into a more, you know, loving person before <laughs> like the set di- deadline. Ah. Um and Jacob Marley has a friend called the Bogle. He's just this weird a,
1: what yeah, a boggle? A, it's an English folklore thing. Yeah, it's it's oh okay. a boggle or a, a bogger it was uh... like a boogeyman. Yes, no. so it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a similar phrase. It's uh, oh
0: wait, she said no, but you said yes. What's the story
2: behind here?
0: I have negative connotations associated with boogeymen, but maybe you guys have positive connotations associated with
1: the bogles. A good character, then. Yeah,
0: yeah. At least in this production,
1: because a Bogle, bogey, bogart, or boogeyman is is it's sort of an English thing. It's a it's a, it's a mischievous or not always malignant, but usually mischievous sprite, mm. a sort of a a, 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 like a, a domestic spirit. Yeah, yeah, sort a of. Bit
2: people i can see that the, the
0: yeah the Bogle is very trickster like but it helps jacob marley um try and figure out you know how to help uh how to help what you call it scrooge Yo, Jake, you gotta
2: get your life together by helping your friend
1: sort of but also are you talking to me or to oh no, no 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 like, like
2: jacob marley like i'm like the bogey right now
1: oh, okay
0: um
2: said me the bogey (laughs) and
0: it's a really beautiful story because in the end jacob marley learns that you know uh learns to be a a caring human being not for the sake of like, self-profit, but just because for the sake of... A
1: little late for him, wouldn't it, me? And
2: also, you know... But it, it it is, really it's not that, like, late yeah. enough and that's no, the other thing, that he's
0: never up, so. too late, I guess, that oh. um, he could have, you know, been like, oh, like, screw it, I'm in hell anyway, so why not just like, be the worst person ever? But no, he, like, learns his lesson <laughs> and learns to be a wonderful human being like, even in the afterlife, which is, like, beautiful. So, <laughs> I thought this, too, was, like, a good Christmas production in that sense because mm-hmm. my criteria for what a good Christmas production is, obviously, number one, that it's got to you know be set around the time of christmas but also number two <laughs> that it has a happy ending in the end that it just feel good um so yeah i definitely thought that it was um feel good and the other thing was just the coolness of being able to see a theatrical performance that's like very bare bones very minimalist no set and it's like it forces you to really try and imagine like you mm-hmm. can't just sit back and like allow the imagining to like happen like on stage you really have to like Focus on it's listening. Active, right, um, yeah, yeah. Unless you're just not going to, unless you're just not even going to try, which I think in that case, then like, <laughs> just don't go watch it. Um, but for anybody who is interested and loves theater and wants to see a different kind of style of theater that you don't normally get to see, um, do go see Theater Obscura's performance of Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol. It is going to be playing from now until December the 18th, which is next Sunday at the Jericho Art Center. There's a live description and an ASL interpreted version of the performance That's so cool. on December the 11th and the 14th. So if you or anybody in your vicinity um, would benefit from that, um, do you can find more information about those particular shows as well as tickets um, at f- www.facebook.com/theaterobscura or you can just type in theater obscura. Or Jacob your Facebook, Marley's Christmas Carol. Onto your Facebook um, onto search too. bar. Um, so the last Christmas production that we're going to be talking about is the day before Christmas. But because we've done a lot of talking, we're going to quickly have a PSA break and also introduce PSA a break. very special guest onto the show today. Yay! Yay. So be excited Yay. for everybody who's listening. Um, yes, so again, we're just going to take a quick break and be right back. Listen
2: to the Arts Report.
3: Mm. Blue. A lot the hardcore stuff is just is fast, very aggressive, and loud. You know, music, angry music. Mr. Steaston Mike welcome to the Flex Your Head show on CITR 101.9 FM here in Vancouver I'm here every Tuesday 6
4: to 8
3: p.m. playing some punk and hardcore for you uh, if you want to hear something feel free to give me a call at 604-822-2487 or swing by flexyourhead.net and send us an email with requests
2: caught your attention. It also caught the attention of the coolest people from Squamish to Bellingham, music fans, students, and members of various cultural communities. If you want your ad to do the same, advertise with CITR and Discorder. If you've got a rad new ad or just something you want to share, whether in print, on air, or online, promote your wares, services, or events with us. Contact us at advertising at citr.ca or call 604-822-4342. Visit citr.ca for rates, information, and packages. This is the end of our ad, and if you're still Hi, here, you're we must listening be doing something. To CITR.
5: Right? My name is Paula, and this is Pride Facts. Five words for you. Words that have been reclaimed by the LGBTQ plus community. Reclaiming language is taking words that have been used to degrade a community and turning the meaning around. Taking away the negative connotation of the words can be liberating. Let's take a closer look at the word queer and its history. Originally, it was used in 16th century Scotland to mean peculiar or eccentric. Contemporary synonyms of the word are odd, unusual, strange. The word used as a term towards the LGBTQ plus community in the late 19th century was reclaimed in the 1990s by a New York-based group of activists named Queer Nation. Their aim was to take the word out of Violator's mouth and give it a positive connotation by self-identifying as queer. The famous slogan, We're here, we're queer, get used to it, was coined by the group. The word queer is still considered offensive by some members of the LGBTQ community. Many feel uncomfortable using a word that caused them so much harm. Why use it then? Advocates for the usage of the word queer use it as an adequate umbrella term for LGBTQ+. It is considered inclusive of all sexual orientations and non-binary, unlike the terms lesbian or gay. Create your vocabulary app by checking out the following web pages: positivespaceubcca terminology slash www.GladWithAA.Org/reference/transgender, www.autostraddle.com Check out the series More Than Words. They discuss queer words. Happy Pride, everyone.
0: Welcome back to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Christine Kim, and in studio we've got...
1: Jake Clark.
2: Ashley Park.
0: And a new addition.
2: A person who needs an introduction, Auntie Ta.
3: Hello, everybody. He's back! like my third time I think on this year. Yeah. We've missed you. Always good to have you. Do you feel the love? This is very christmasy. I, I feel a love. I feel a love. Okay. It's, it's very cold outside though. It
0: is very cold and we will be moving straight along ahead to the final christmas production we're going to be doing a review of which is the day before christmas.
1: Which we're interviewing which we were reviewing a couple of weeks before christmas and saw uh, not another week before. So this is subtitled cake Ka- surviving the perfect holiday disaster is the, mm-hmm. t- is the subtitle mm-hmm. and of the three uh that we have on the show this is probably the least vancouver what do you mean
2: these. the least vancouver so, agreed
1: um, yeah yeah like the two shows that you you, you mentioned they were more how, how would you say they were more vancouvery in this regard
0: um
1: that's a good question do you
2: have a lot of projections because that's like a trope that vancouver productions have a lot of projections happening
0: what do you mean by projection?
2: Like, they use projections for a lot of things. It's like a theater thing. Like, you know, theater kids. Are you talking them. about,
0: like, projector?
2: Yeah, like look a projector.
0: And yeah, thing, all projection projections on, like, all a screen. Yeah, oh, the, so they use no, projections all the time. It's like a theaters. production thing. That, these do theater productions and not. But okay. maybe in, I would say the best way is that these two productions I would classify more as... Alternative? Yeah, like fringe productions.
1: This was extremely not alternative. I, I, will, say, I will say that right there. And... um. This is not to say it was a bad show. No. Because um, this was well put together. And the the thing is that of the three of these, this probably had a budget that was greater than the two of the previous ones combined. Mm-hmm. This had oh, yeah. the most, probably one of the most, the most impressive set I've seen in a non-musical possible probably in my life. Because um, this is, was held at the Goldcorp Theater, which is the Arts Club Center. Mm-hmm. This is a very, um, it's a small stage for the size of the building it's in. But it's a very well-equipped one, evidently. And they had – what they had was it's um, – the, there are seats on the either side of the stage and in front of it as well. Yes. And it was set up to be the living room of a house. This had a fully functional refrigerator. Okay. Stovetop. And uh, an array of set pieces. Like, there it was a living room and kitchen of a very nice house. Rather mm-hmm. like Kirk Cameron's house in Saving Christmas, uh, which was actually house. Please a stop bringing house, I mean, that up. <laughs> rule of three is for comedy. Anyway, um – uh, the, So the amount of props and the amount of set um, reconstruction and deconstruction, because it's a perfect holiday disaster, mm-hmm. excrement occurs, um, this um, was so impressive because the blocking for that, a lot of these long scenes uh, that basically rearrange the set, and it's set up in its destroyed form at the beginning, they reset it and slowly move it that way. And every scene has people taking things out of the fridge eating something a lot of the actors are actually eating food like this is not prop food so they had to restock the fridge it's a
2: very naturalistic sort of play then because usually naturalism is emulating like real life real time sort of events
1: yes um i would also
2: say no because of course you have that storyline well it's
1: on a stage the thing the great thing about being on a stage is that your imagination can play a role the problem with being on a stage is that no matter how hard you make it it's not going to seem completely natural yeah it's never going to seem completely natural which is uh, actually one of my complaints with the movie Birdman, but that's another day. Um, on this regard, this was a really impressively put together play in terms of everything coming together so well. Mm-hmm. They have one character who only appears through Skype calls. who's the So the main character is Alex. She's a caterer, and it's her incredible focus on Christmas that is kind of holds the play together. She is the main character. Mm-hmm. And her brother only appears by Skype and he's in California with his girlfriend who's in her 20s and he's got kids and an ex wife and they're separated that's that is a distance shenanigans plot it's kind of funny how they put that together because they do change the background on him They do have him sort of commenting on events, but he's still there. Mm -hmm. He seems to add things to the plot, and I'm glad they put those segments in. And I
0: mean, kudos for the Arts Club for not having the technology break down, because I think it's really easy to have technical difficulties and be afraid that something might be going wrong. And since this is a live performance, um, everything ran so smoothly, Mm -hmm. and there was no blips in technology whatsoever, so I was quite impressed by that.
1: And technology played a definitive role in the plot, too. Yes. Uh, because there's a the video leaked on YouTube is a plot point, and I, I was it was impressive how much they were able to not show in that regard because all of the action takes place inside that one room, and it's uh, the things are skyped on the YouTube videos shown on things like the screen is used to show the Skype calls, her phone, YouTube, but other than that, all of the action is inside this one room. There's no set change, which. Oh God! You couldn't change it. You really couldn't. That thing's got to be set up pretty well. You would probably turn the theater inside out trying to do a set change, and the I would say that all in all, for in terms of being able to carry out this really, what I realized, especially especially in the first, I in the first fifteen minutes, the blocking for every scene is probably very was probably very complex, and the I have no idea how they rehearsed the Skype calls. Because I don't know how they put that in there. It's like a magician's trick. Because it is so Skype wait, has wait. a leg, you know.
2: Yeah. Is it a is it a recording or is it actually no? Being it's a real. No, no, live he's, stream.
1: Yeah. Interesting. It's, it, he's live streaming from somewhere, and that's and it's being projected up there. So that's some complex electronics right there. At least to me, I'm in arts. So <laughs> that's that, that's a factor there. The performances were were reasonable. I would say that this as a show was acted competently by the majority of the cast um, there was uh, there were two younger actors playing the children of, uh, of the family who are who are teenagers and um, you know it's um when you're a younger actor you know it's, it's not always sort of I, I would say you're not always playing with a with a full deck compared to your peers you know, just just in terms of experience just often in terms of the way the roles written and These two characters, the son Max and the daughter, who was her name? uh, I keep thinking Meadow for Meadow Soprano. Brody. Brody. Okay, so I was (laughs) way off. (laughs) Meadow. Brody. Brody. It's the same name. No. No. um,
0: The two. The the two. The two. Children character names was Max and Brody.
1: Yeah. Um. Which uh, they were played as teenagers, which means that they did come across a little insufferable at times. (laughs) Um, (laughs)
0: Which I'm sure was. Partially which the was point. which was
1: which was the point, point. Um, and this this uh, the mother Alex does come across as being a really deeply self centered person, almost at some points, to the point of intolerability. Like it's not Arrested Development level bad, no. but she's I love
2: the characters from Arrested Development.
1: I love yeah. the characters of Arrested Development too, but the difference is there. It's the joke here. It's not really. Oh
2: really? What
1: do you mean? Not really. She she is supposed to be kind of self centered, but. Yeah where the play ha- where it has dramatic moments are because she's kind of worn to a frazzle and oh. everyone else is around her. Yeah. And. But pl- I would also say mm-hmm. that the
0: husband has those kind of moments too, especially near the end.
1: He does. Yeah. Um, he was a standout for me.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: Andrew a, Wheeler is yeah. the
0: actor who plays Alan, who is the husband of Alex, mm-hmm. um, and his performance in terms of just acting ability was incredible.
1: Yeah, he was good. He was, and his character was, he was playing a good character, too. He's probably, he, he, was, an, he was a solid character in terms of his ability to act. Like, I, I stood um, in applause, because for him, I thought his performance was out. very good. Yeah, he could, was. He could make you empathize. He really could, and... When all these other characters, he was probably the least self centered character. The least is not much of it because he still is really sort of myopic and really kind of solipsistic. But in comparison, you do feel, yeah, in comparison to, especially in comparison to, we have to talk about Dirk. Dirk? Dirk was, so uh, the Brody's subplot, um, yeah, is her friend, who's her 19 year old best friend, uh, is getting married.
0: A shotgun wedding.
1: Pretty much because she's pregnant and
0: uh, doesn't know who' the father. The is. friend's
1: ex, Dirk, could be the father, and um, this is revealed all as she's telling everyone her mother's catering for the wedding. the account gets getting higher and higher and higher. and I, I, I worked at a restaurant that did do banquet events. yeah, that happens a lot. Um, and what happens is Dirk shows up in the second act, and um, he's, he's like, um, he's a well-meaning buffoon is is kind of who he is he's, he's the character is unlike the all of the other characters seem at least trying to figure out where they are seem mm-hmm. like marginally self-aware he's just kind of cannonballing through it. the guy playing him was also enjoying himself a lot which was nice he was he was a goofy character but he was funny in the in that regard just the, the, the same way you know you, you, your drunk uncle is kind of funny just you don't know what he's doing but you know. You're just glad you're just glad he's there and probably glad the attention's not on you. But um, he, he, was, he was a fun character. He was played by Curtis Tweedy, who is actually making his debut here. I believe all of the uh, younger actors were making their debut. Mm-hmm. And this was not a bad debut. I wouldn't say this is a bad debut production.
0: And the Arts Club is known for doing productions that feature a lot of young actors and actresses, which I do really appreciate mm-hmm. about uh, the theater company as a whole.
1: Which is good. I, I applaud them for that. Um if I had to say one thing about this is that I mentioned the Grand Theatre earlier in London, Ontario, which is where I saw I saw a lot of plays there. I've seen a lot of plays there. And I, I like the Grand. I like the Grand a lot. I have a lot of nostalgia for it. A play like this would have made a lot more sense at a place like the Grand than in, in, in a place like London, Ontario, than in, I would say, Vancouver, which is a scene which has a much larger theatrical scene, although London's got a sizable scene, especially for a town of its size. And this play is very family friendly this play is very you mentioned that it it's like watching a christmas movie
0: yeah i was about to say if you are in the mood for a christmas movie this is this is the perfect way to mm-hmm. to watch a christmas movie but have it feel like a little bit more fancier than normal <laughs> because yeah. you're going to go see it like live on a stage mm-hmm. um and the, the kind of feel good message that you get from it at the end and that's also very it is
1: christmas the, the ending way. has the feel good message of every christmas movie it's like christmas is there to love your family yeah not everything goes The comedy perfectly. of
0: it is also perfectly like a christmas family yeah. show where yeah. you know you have like the proverbial like you slip on a banana that kind of funny.
1: Yes, for, well almost <laughs> that exact gag a yeah. couple times yeah. with uh the and just shenanigans ensue when Perfect Christmas. There, I can't think of a movie where that. Uh, I keep thinking of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation because I kind of. That's just a great. movie. You have movie. to
0: stop with these obscure
1: references. <laughs> that's,
0: not <laughs> ob- <laughs> that's
2: not
1: obscure. National <laughs> Lampoon's is not obscure. I've never watched that ever. I don't even
0: know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, y- right you get now. to see
1: Leonard from The Big Bang Theory when he was a uh, knee high to a grasshopper. You get what? to see young Johnny Galecki. You get to see young Chevy Chase looking like an axe murderer half the time because of the way he smiles. No, what?
2: Like, was that my
1: mic on? Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. That's joking. just my thought. Clark Griswold is way too enthusiastic about a lot of things. <laughs> but that was, that's sort of the thing uh, that it reminded me of because I just really like that movie. And I did, it had a. Lampoon, Lampoons hard to give them a message but it had a similar message i guess at the end of the time but know? this
2: one sounds like a major um, crowd pleaser from what you guys are talking about for people who want that kind of like feel good like you know traditional like christmas holiday sort of like you know media yeah. Like like you know, when you go kind of. when you go to like what's the channel? I don't watch TV Y T V and they have like Rudolph the red nosed reindeer movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, claymation yeah, happening. yeah, yeah.
0: Something familiar. Yeah. But I yes. would I would say that all, like Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol, um, Holy Moe, Day Before Christmas, they're all feel good in their own way. Mm-hmm. But I think Day Before Christmas is a little bit more to the mainstream than is Holy Moe and Jacob Marley.
1: Holy Moe of the three of them sounds like the one I would probably think is the most original
2: of a lot because it, it really it really um for me when i watched this when i watched the show with christine i had a bit of trouble because it is very con- contextual like it has a lot of referential humor so if you don't know the references it's hard for you to kind of connect
1: oh i'd love it then
2: yeah it, it's if you if you're really into like nativity plays from my point of view,
0: if you're really into nativity plays, <laughs> that's a real specific. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was about the nativity, wasn't it? It was about the nativity. Yeah. I.
3: What are the references?
2: Like you know, like I think they reference like uh, Vladimir Nabokov. Did they reference Lolita in that one?
1: Whoa. Whoa, I, I don't know. There was like
2: reference. a Putin
1: reference. I'm, yeah,
2: Putin, Putin, uh, Putin.
1: Putin like. I, but that
0: has nothing to do with contextualizing the nativity story. No, no, you I understanding the two. quote I, oh, by oh, well, Vladimir
2: I'm, I'm Putin? The, I'm not the playwright. They, they're the one that put the references there, man.
3: How do you confuse the two? Hold on, <laughs> I is, don't is understand. Putin or Nabokov?
2: I, have no, I, I have no idea. Really Russian, I, a Russian person. <laughs> Vladimir I, from, Putin. Okay. Thank you, Putin. And um, there was Kanye, and there was like, A little bit of Trump, but not really to an, like, overt extent. It is, again, like, thrown in there to Mm. modernize. And, again, if you don't know the main references, then it's going to pass through your head a little bit.
1: So this is the nativity version of Deadpool.
2: Not (laughs) not really, not really, because it has... That's hilarious, that's a good one. (laughs) It it has, like, the three uh, fool characters, like, putting on this play about, you know, the nativity while also, like, while also kind of like... Character a, development time, in their own way. Talking about um, Santa Claus and like modern Christmas. Hmm. But m- more of the thing is focused on the nativity play and kind of reworking it to make it more modern. I think there was like a scene in which it parodied the Matrix. Oh. But it was like with like the the, the Virgin Mary and like... Um, who, are the, who are the old couple again?
1: The, the, the Elizabeth and Oh,
0: Zachary. yes, Elizabeth yeah. and Zachariah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was a hilarious scene. I wouldn't say so much that they're trying to modernize the nativity, but more that they them, embellish the nativity in really, them, really funny ways to make it a comedy more so than a reverent telling of the savior of the world, um, which is why I think that – which is why I think that – in many ways, if you're in for kind of like, uh, if you're in for kind of, if you're in the mood for humor that is not, regardless of whether you're in for humor that's like uh, irreverent,
2: I guess. Like, I wouldn't for, call like, it, it irreverent. I, w- yeah. I would say that you definitely but need to have a understanding of the original nativity or and and characters and scenes from the Bible because. I didn't really get it. I know, like my like basic bare bones, like this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, and whoa! But this good thing happens. So we're all okay now. But um,
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the New Testament.
2: It's all it's all good right, now. Right. But um, but for people who don't have that uh, background, I feel like some of some of the things that's happening because it's so codified in other. Um, references to other media like again the matrix the matrix scene uh with um with another uh scene that was like a holiday inn or something like if people don't don't have the background then they're not going to get why super funny for people who do have the background it's like a really funny satire but at the same time not because it it actually respects the source
1: material i i, I do think that source material should be understood in in general mm-hmm. the that story, because it's so ubiquitous, it it really should be the the, the I, references may be less so, but the story of the nativity, yes, that that should mm-hmm.
2: be. Which is the reason why I feel like that, people should I, know about. I would about consider that common knowledge in like a, a stronger background of it, and I think it's a it's a good way for people to be like, this is pretty funny, but maybe like you know maybe I'm not getting the humor, maybe I should like dig deeper into it, and there's nothing wrong with that.
3: Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, um, I know what the nativity is, but I've never seen it staged, so.
0: That's that's the other thing too. I've never actually seen the nativity staged either. I, I've always yeah.
2: seen it like in like, you know, like a church yet a mall and yeah, like a but church. But it's always backyard. a
0: still. Yeah, like yeah, it, the, 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 the barn scene. But I've yeah. never seen it on a stage, like produced right. as a theatrical performance, I don't weird think so too, either. Because
2: in you know, theatrical history, they used to do like medieval plays and mystery plays, which are all about like saints and like nativity. You have a face on,
0: Jake. What? And stuff like
2: that.
1: Well, I'm just saying. It, I, I've seen Saving Christmas, so I've seen the live action <laughs> you nativity.
0: You need to stop with that reference. It's not a good time? reference. Hmm? That's the um, fourth time you mentioned that's
2: it. That's the fourth time. Yes. He anymore.
0: was referencing it while we were watching. Uh, day Before Christmas as well. There's something about that movie that you love, hate so much, and I think it's hilarious. It is a
1: surreal watching experience. It really is. Now, now that I come to think of it, Deadpool did have a Christmas scene, now that you remind me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did, oh, my
1: but love, my love, my love, my calendar. Um, I
0: think in terms of just production, like theater production though, the mm-hmm. most uh, alternative or fringe name. would be Jacob Marley's. Because okay. Day Before Christmas and Holy Moe, they perform it in, like, the typical way of you've got your, like, set, you've got your characters, and that got your, world you guys are
2: looking at. Yeah, right?
0: yeah, and it's not that hard to imagine what's going on, but Jacob Marley's, I think, you... you it was all spoken into being. Everything that you imagine, it, you, they, the actors and the actresses speak it into existence, which I thought was very interesting and well, not something I'd seen before.
1: And it's a, so it's a kind of magic, I
0: guess. Well,
2: no, it's kind of like more of a stage reading. Have you guys been to stage readings?
1: No, well, in- well just I, to the
0: let main you character know, was reading off a script. I have, so. but yeah.
1: not so, in recent memory. A so, long
2: just time to ago. let you know, uh, stage readings—there is one happening very soon, um, upcoming. You know, Brave New Playwrights in 2017, pretty cool. Someone's script's gonna get uh, staged for a stage reading.
0: Ashley Park, is it yours? Maybe
1: a, I don't know. We, I don't we know somebody you guys. on this uh, show who was a contributor last year. um...
2: I don't know who that person was either. Mm -hmm. Anyways, but another thing that people, if they're interested in going to reading, especially for Arts Club, because they do this a lot, is actually called React. And I didn't get to talk about it on here because I didn't have time to. (laughs) But now I do have time to. Yes, you do. React is actually um, free. If you sign up and you say that you want to go to one of their performances, you can actually go. And basically, you are listening to developing work. That is going to be presented at the arts club in the future. Okay. So this isn't going to be staged anytime soon. So sort of it's a preview. Yeah, it's like a preview, and some of these uh, script like readings, they have like the full actors out. It's, they have like some like sound effects and everything, which is very interesting. Um, I saw mm. a quartet of readings for React, and um, this is like in November, because I know it's December now so weird anyway anyway um and it was like the stranger by raw Inglis and then there was um you are it which was really interesting Th- it had audience participation to the max like it was very based on audience participation they even had like polling and everything based on audience demographics huh. which is really cool
1: so audience participation is quite a thing at Brave New Playwrights, then.
2: No, this is for uh, React for Arts Club, but oh, for for me, for, for me, I try to make my plays. Oh my God, talking about me, uh, more more audience participation. Pa- t- p- p- the,
1: the one last year with the bus, yeah. <laughs>
2: thanks, mm-hmm. thanks, but um, I I like plays that are more audience participation than than most, because I feel like you get to be part of the action. It's like what Christine was mentioning before, that interactivity that makes you feel like you are being part of theater instead of passively like accepting theater.
0: But one of the things I don't particularly like about audience participation in the yeah. way that you're talking about it is with Jacob Marley's Christmas Carol, you can choose not to really interact and be involved.
2: You can choose to disengage.
0: Yeah, but then I feel like oftentimes when people say audience participation, they mean like the actor will literally come into your space like oh, your remember. theatrical space yeah. your theater seat or whatever yeah. ask you to do something yeah and even if you're nervous even if you don't like you know being out of your comfort zone it's you it's gonna happen
1: what i want to see are audience participation <laughs> fight scenes then you know what and then you've got three stage knives and one real one Never, no. no play is the same after that.
0: When would that even happen? When would anyone be That is a night? crime. That would, that would, that, no. It's
1: entertainment. Uh, concerning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Two other Christmas productions that I do want to highlight, which... <laughs> which Jake and I – one mm-hmm. of which Jake and I will be watching. One of them is the other Arts Club production, which is Mary Poppins, the musical. Mary
2: Poppins, um, happening at Stanley. Yes, it's
0: happening at Stanley. And Granville on Granville Island, it's Avenue Avenue Q, that production of Avenue yep. Q. And Gold Corp is doing The Day Before Christmas. So on all three of their stages, they've got, like, really, you know, also, big productions a happening.
2: Hint, a hint for people who are students, and they're like, oh, yeah. man, Arts Club – I can't afford it. I'm just a lowly student that can only eat Top Ramen.
1: You got two kidneys, don't you?
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> you can actually get uh, student rush tickets, and it's really affordable. They're, like, I think, like, a regular arts club ticket. It's, like, roughly, like, $60 or something. Like, regular price. And because that's how much I paid for Avenue Q. But it was good. I'm not, I'm not saying it was, like, bad. It, w- it was really good. I felt like the um, – the best thing is like the live band that was actually in between the, um, the apart the tenement houses apartment complexes whatever. I thought was really cool, well integrated. Uh, puppets were really cute. Anyway, back to a thing. If you if you go for student rush tickets they're about twenty nine dollars, and th- that's not too bad if you if you really want to see like a high quality production. And Arts Club does go pretty mm. uh, you know deep into quality and it's just like they're shallow and they just dunk their hands right in there get the bottom of that quality bear and like dig it right up for you
0: I'm glad you mentioned the student rush tickets I think price is definitely a huge motivator for whether or not somebody's going to go watch um, Mm -hmm. these kind of productions so yeah student rush tickets $29 Mm. Um, the other production is uh, not actually a play but a concert it's by Good Noise Vancouver Gospel Choir and they're going to be performing their Christmas concert called Something to Treasure at uh, the Christ Church Cathedral this Friday and Saturday. So if you are yeah, looking for something else Christmassy to do and some, not super into Or plays, something the treasure. Yeah, yeah. You can go you can go listen to some wonderful, wonderful music um at Christchurch Cathedral this Friday, uh seven PM I believe. Good stuff.
2: Do you know what's something the I treasure? What? Our friendship you guys.
1: That is it is pretty awesome.
0: I don't treasure that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Just Christine, kidding. People.
2: I I heard this thing that people say their true feeling in the first one. They go just kidding, just because they're like you know they don't want people. Who to that.
3: Nobody says that. I
2: don't know. I feel like Andy says that. Nobody
0: <laughs> says that. Nobody <laughs> says that.
3: I've never said that. I don't think.
2: Who knows, Andy? Who knows? I I think I maybe heard you say say it kind of like off to the side.
1: You know, one thing I was kind of thinking about during during this entire thing is that Vancouver's got a lot of. Got a lot of stories in it, you know. And what do you mean? Well, with with shows like Holy Mo, which is an original, is, she's a Vancouver playwright, yeah, yeah Fred Jim? Yeah. So that that's sort of a Vancouver show. And Jacob yeah, Marley's definitely. Christmas. Yeah. One thing that I am really was really thinking about uh, considering some of the there's because there's this thing on UBC campus mm-hmm. uh, for awareness of opioid abuse. Yep. <laughs> which uh, reminded me of William S. Burroughs' The Junkie's Christmas. Really? Which uh, is on YouTube, and you can actually hear William S. Burroughs in his dead, monotone, insectile voice, sounding much like this. Read the entire thing; it's about twenty minutes long, and it's this claymation video that goes with it about a uh, with, about a heroin addict finding the meaning of Christmas. Wow. I thought that was talk re- about Fringe. Uh, you, you know what? If, if, if that shows up in, in in a Vancouver theater, I wouldn't be surprised to be like, oh, okay, there you go.
0: Yeah, I, I really wouldn't be phased. And I, I would be surprised if the Arts Report didn't cover it.
1: Hmm. Uh, it, it would have to, yes, because I really want to do my William S. Burroughs impression.
0: <laughs> which you did a little bit of today, which is great.
1: Let's I can work on even it. even more of it like this. But mm. not only that, there's
0: a lot of stuff
2: happening at UBC if people are interested. There is a Winter Bank Festival, and that's from UBC Music, that's starting on the 8th. And that is, you know, again, a concert has a lot of different um, instrumentation for people who are interested. It has jazz, it has woodwinds, really interesting. Again, local on campus, if you need a bit of a break from your finals and you're like, yo, I want to just chill to some classical, right here, right here at UBC. Groovy. Mm -hmm. And not only that, there's a lot of also one-off courses that they do, which is really interesting as well. Basically, it's only like a one-day course, and you do have to pay for it. But there's one that's really interesting, which is on the ninth, which is theater-based techniques for professional presentations. Basically, what they do is if you're really bad at speaking in public, and some people are, they hate doing presentations. Like, I used to, and I'm joking, I used to lock up every time to do a presentation, and my body would make me sneeze. Really? Yeah, I would sneeze before the start of my presentation.
3: Was it like constant rapid fire sneezing no no like just, like just w- one
2: one sneeze and then... some
3: people do that they do like rapid fire sneezing it's pretty funny I oh, this, I did. this
2: is why i don't want to do presentations no i'm joking this is before i i took some theater classes and and, and chilled chilled the flip out
1: I, I was gonna say you're on this program going unaccustomed as i am to public speaking <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah it it really does help um and sometimes it, helps you kind of relax because you learn how to modulate your voice because people are always worried about, how does how do I sound like?
1: Yeah, speak with your chest voice, yeah?
2: Mm-hmm. How do I sound like? That's what people are really worried about. Or they go, like, do I look stupid? So they teach you how to kind of, like, find body position on, you know, exuding confidence. And basically, if you fake it, you do make it.
1: You can't tell, but I'm doing it right now.
2: You sound really, really professional and confident, Jake.
1: Thank you. Wrong.
2: Christine, why, why <laughs> are you going to be like this? This is a Christmas special, night. I felt
0: Christmassy after the three productions, but now the Christmas is all out of me. Now I'm just, I'm just Scroogey. Just kidding. Um, oh, it looks like
2: I got to, I got to, what's his name, Jacob Marley? Yeah, I got a Jacob Marley, you. Yeah, you
1: do. Yep. Um,
2: Beware, Christine. Beware.
1: But here's the question. Who is, what was the better Ebenezer Scrooge story? The one with Albert Finney or the one with Bill Murray?
0: Bill Murray. I, I don't understand your <laughs> references ever, Jake. Bill what? Murray or...
1: The answer is Albert Finney. But no, Albert
0: Finney? it's Bill Murray. I, don't know. I don't know either. The, the,
1: there's a movie called Scrooged, which is a Bill Murray movie. Yeah. Okay. Which is actually... Uh, there's a book called The Big Bad Book of Bill Murray, which is a Bill Murray encyclopedia. Yeah. And it ranks. How do you Scrooge know all as- this,
0: Ashley? <laughs> I like
2: Bill Murray a lot. It's really
0: funny.
1: I like <laughs> Bill Murray a Andy, lot. You know, Andy, do you know do
0: you get all these references? Like- Are you with me on the not understanding? Like a third
3: of them, I think.
2: The, the thing is the thing is, like, I don't like the like some people might hate me, but I don't think like Bill Murray's like a great actor. I just think he's like like funny in like a way that he's unintentionally. I think funny. he's a great
1: personality. Yeah.
2: He's like unintentionally funny. So you're like, there's Bill Murray doing a Bill Murray thing. But he
1: played Ebenezer Scrooge as this cable TV exec in a script yeah. that was notoriously mangled. It was, it was so by bad. The, it was Scrooge <laughs> is um, it's one of those movies it's one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite um, uh, Bill Murray movies because he thinks because he's he said he's like WC fields and Scrooge. Um okay So
0: mangled in the sense that it was just bad lines? No,
1: no. The apparent script script was actually really good, was I think written by Harold Ramis, who was So the guy. read
0: out mangled, as in
1: As in like, people like producers yeah, got took a they, hatchet.
2: Yeah, they, to they it. messed with the they messed with the formula. They're like, no, nah, it's what not it's not selling enough. So
1: product placements jammed in everywhere. Yeah. Uh, oh, the shooting of the movie was a disaster because they had to re edit the script while they were shooting yeah. like yeah. Twilight. Yeah, or Grease I 2. I
0: didn't
2: know that you knew about that.
1: Although,
2: Both of you. Grease 2, why would you do that to
1: Greece? I honestly like Greece 2 better than Greece <gasps> 1, but I kind of hate Greece 1, so.
2: Yeah, to be honest, the ending is kind of like, what?
1: Of Grease 1 or Grease 2.
2: Ending of Grease 1.
1: I heard there's a fan theory that the ending of Grease 1 is actually makes it Olivia Newton-John's dying dream because she drowned in the beginning and everything onward was what she dreamed up.
2: Yo, that would be it really It fits, rich. wouldn't it? It would be. But also, at the same time, you don't have to change yourself, Olivia Newton-John. You don't have to change yourself for John Travolta.
1: No, you, she really didn't. No. Yeah. Like, Honey, he should have
2: changed. He was kind of like...
1: Uh, well, she can do so much better.
2: Right? She's like, beautiful, could sing really nice. Her name was Sandy.
1: Yeah. It, it, not sure how the last one factors into it, but...
2: It's a nice name. It is. It is.
1: <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> 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 but seriously, uh, Albert Phineas Scrooge is... what that's. Um, My father's favorite depiction of The Christmas Carol, we own it at home, is Albert Finney's Scrooge. Uh, It was one of Albert Finney's Scrooge. Albert Finney is, he's a very great actor. Mm -hmm. I think he's He's one of the the best film actors, certainly one of the most underrated film actors in in the history of the medium. And his Scrooge is very good. It's a very good retelling. And I I highly recommend seeing that if you want to kind of laugh and then Mm. cry and then feel this amazingly uplifted.
2: What about you, Christine? What's your Christmas, like, you know... Recommendation to go watch outside of, you know, what we just said.
0: I don't really celebrate Christmas. Just kidding. I do celebrate Christmas. <laughs> um, I was like,
1: you're a Christian. <laughs>
0: um yeah, I don't know. Um I really enjoy I really enjoy um watching classic Christmas movies like Home Alone and and Elf.
2: Oh, Home Alone's so good. Elf is really good too.
0: Um but obviously you know, those are those are pretty mainstream things. Well, that I, I will, I will uh,
2: do something really specific. I will recommend everyone to watch the uh, Care Bears special with, like, the Nutcracker. It like, was, like, a crossover or something. Yo, make my child. I was like, whoa, what will the Care Bears do this time? Unless I'm totally, like, making it up and I'm putting those two different things together.
0: <laughs> Which is very possible that this could be
1: happening. But,
2: you know, I'm just saying, that was, like... Original, the best, like, Christmas thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I try to, like, watch it if I can.
1: We'll probably come around to this on our last show before the holidays, but my go-tos for Christmas are The Grinch with my nephews and then Love Actually with my family. Mm. Oh,
2: that's so beautiful. Especially oh. Love Actually with your family. Well,
1: the Bill Nighy segment is my favorite from that one, you know, because... <laughs> <laughs> One of us is probably gonna end up in that position later in life. <laughs> you're all looking at me. That's that's really not. No, 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 no. No, we want I
2: don't we don't more know what we want more elaboration about. for people who see
1: Oh Bill nighy the um so has everyone here seen Love Actually? Yes. The rocker who's gotta make it to the top of the charts? Yep. I think we want to leave you on a cliffhanger because you probably should see Love. Actually, it's an uplifting movie.
2: It's like one of those like people like you know they watch it like it's like you know, you gotta like during Christmas time or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, do. It's a good ensemble movie. But I'll leave you on this bit of advice by Bill Nighy: Kids, don't buy drugs. Become a big pop star, and they give them to you for free. <laughs> Merry Christmas from Bill Nighy and William S. Also, Burroughs. don't so
2: abuse drugs. Make sure that you are, you know, you're you're there and you're with your fam and you're having a good, good holiday season.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to the Arts Report this Wednesday afternoon, now evening since it's six oh one.
2: It's so dark.
0: It is, and it's also very cold. So everybody, please do stay warm and
2: really careful.
0: We hope that for the productions that we've mentioned today that you will go see them, Um, and because we want to leave you all in the Christmas spirit, we're going to close off with. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas by Michael Bublé.
1: It is.
0: Oh, you go know, with the boobs. <laughs> yes, I am going with the boobs. <laughs>
1: um, as it, oh, okay. Okay. For a second, I thought you were talking about the video. I'm like, wow, no, Michael no, Buble suddenly got into no, WWE. No.
2: Hey, want to hear something really like sad about Michael Buble.
1: No. No. Don't
0: ruin the
2: song. Okay, don't ruin what? it. Okay, don't ruin I, it. Okay. Well, I won't. Um, <laughs> I won't. I won't ruin it. People can search it up if they want. It's really sad. It's no. Like
1: really no. Did Did John Hamm abduct him and make him to go into a restaurant with Ham to and, and no, no, I don't
2: want to say it. It's really sad. I I wish him the best. Hope you're doing best, Michael Buble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the Arts Report at night. My name is Christine Kim.
1: I'm
3: Jake Clark.
0: I'm Ashley Park, wishing Michael Bublé well.
3: I'm Andy Ta, also wishing Michael Bublé well.
0: <laughs> um, please do tune in again next week for the final Arts Report show of the 2016 year.
2: It'll be so sad.
0: It is going to be sad. But this is also Ashley's last 2016 show. I'm so excited.
2: Bye, 2016. I'm really sad at the last you know show, 2016. But goodbye, 2016. You took so many good things away from us. Why?
0: <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, so it goes. Cheers.
3: Hello everybody. Welcome to the Gay Games and to the thousands of athletes, coaches, family and spectators from around the world. Since 1982 the Gay Games have given lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender athletes and supporters around the world a chance to come
0: together to compete, celebrate and inspire others. It's been remarkable to see the Games thrive over the years.
5: The Gay Games is the world's largest sporting and cultural event specifically for LGBTQ+ athletes, artists, and musicians. In 1990, Vancouver held the third Gay Games, where approximately 7,300 athletes took part, it's cute and over
4: 1, the way dressed like a reindeer. And as you